Brain on Drugs. I am your host, Corey. And today I have a special segment I'm going to do regarding a special topic that's near and dear to a lot of people. Very sensitive subject, very sensitive issues that are going on in current events that a lot of people are afraid to address. A lot of people want to address. A lot of people don't know how to address. But anyways, I'm going to address it. We're going to talk about the far left versus the far right in today's current events dealing with police brutality, um, the recent shootings that have taken place with the protesting and things of that matter. Let's do it. I'll start by saying this. We live in times where everyone, a lot of people feel that we're on the break of a civil war, another civil war. We have people on both sides that are very angry, very hurt, very emotional about a lot of feelings and a lot of theories and a lot of beliefs that they have. And they're very passionate about these beliefs. Um, There is some bias on both sides. Um, And it doesn't seem like no one's willing to meet in the middle and come to a common ground or agree to disagree without there being some sort of violence or um, casualties of war, let's say. We'll start with this. There was protests in Kenosha, Wisconsin, which is a small town, which is a suburb of Milwaukee, most would say. Um, population about 100,000, 17% African-American population there. So majority of the population there is white or Caucasian. Um, there was a shooting of an individual last uh, last Friday, I believe, or last Saturday. Um, the individual that filmed it was out of their apartment window across the street. They filmed him, um, the individual, the suspect or whatever, the victim, I'm sorry, running around the uh, their vehicle and police chasing them. Um, they opened the car door, police shot them apparently like seven, eight times. Um, the victim was then rushed to the hospital. A lot of people assumed the victim wasn't going to make it. The victim actually ended up making it. It was reported uh, today or yesterday that the victim suffered um, permanent um, paralyzing injuries from the waist down. There have been multiple stories that have come out about this. Some say the victim had a knife on him when he was uh, running from the police. Some say there was a weapon recovered from the floorboard of the vehicle. Um, So a lot of people use that on their two sides. We have the right and the left. So on the left, people say, he got shot seven times. It doesn't matter. Police could have tased him. Police could have tackled him. Police could have used other measures or other methods of apprehending that suspect prior to shooting him. And then you have people on the right who say, well, he shouldn't have ran from the police. He shouldn't have resisted arrest. Uh, he was reaching for a knife or he had a knife on him. So police were justified in shooting the victim. Um, the, the initial report said that the police were called there because the victim was trying to break up a fight and then there have been also other reports that said that the victim was wanted had warrants for sexual assault third degree sexual assault disorderly conduct against his girlfriend who was there at the time they said that the girlfriend was the one who called the police and said that hey her boyfriend was not supposed to be there and he was there that's where police responded at that time some type of confrontation broke out they said the victim 
you know, put up a fight with police officers, ran around the car, um, reached for a knife. They suspected reached for a knife that supposedly was in the floorboard of the vehicle. Police shot him seven times. Since then, there were immediate responses from the community residents of Kenosha. They came out to the scene, um, very angry with the police, uh, protesting, expressing their angers and feelings. There was initially a video of an officer um, hit with some sort of object. It appeared to be a brick. Um, officers retreated from the scene, came back in riot gear, and there was a standoff between officers and residents of Kenosha. That um, standoff then kind of continued throughout the night, resulted in um, businesses being burned, businesses being destroyed, and that kind of carried on for the next several nights of that week. It was continuous protest, continuous confrontation and standoff with police. National Guard were sent in. 120 National Guard initially sent in, I guess, of the after the second day of protesting. And then um, there was a call for the governor to bring in more National Guard from President Trump. He refused. He said that he'd take matters in his own hands. He then doubled the initial uh, call for National Guard amount to add it to increase it to 250 the following night. National Guard did a standoff with, uh, you know, citizens um, in front of the courthouse in Kenosha. Tear gas was thrown. Vehicles, uh, city garbage truck vehicles were set on fire. Uh, businesses in the area, car lots set on fire. Things of that nature. Um, there was continued protests throughout the week. Apparently, there was a group on Facebook that called for an, um, protection of businesses in the area. They called for people to come, a militia organized on Facebook to come in to Kenosha to help protect businesses with armed residents. Um, the, after that call was made, there were people that came out, a militia group that were um, included some armed individuals who came out and they stood in front of businesses. They stood in front of car lots and gas stations and confronted protesters as they came through um, protesting. It became a very, very hostile, tense situation. Protesters and the armed militia that was there were yelling back and forth. Um, there was some confrontation things kind of got physical, but they were kind of diffused for the most part. Until later on that night, I'd say about midnight, 1 or 2 a.m., um, there was a situation where apparently one of the armed militia guys was confronted by one of the protesters. He, he retreated, as seen on video, and there were shots fired. After those shots were fired, um, you can see an individual on the video it appears to be he was on a cell phone trying to make a call. People were running to the scene. He runs away from the scene and then there's another camera that kind of pans to him running down the middle of the street. Um, it seems that he was approached by a couple of other people that were there at the scene. Um, people were trying to, you know, 
let's say, attack him. Um, there was a person that seemed to hit him with a skateboard. Another person that seemed to um, be, you know, stomping him or whatever the case is. And then you see him kind of, he tri- well, prior to that, he tripped and fell as, it, as he was running or retreating. And then you see these people attack him. And then you hear shots fired again. You see another person fall to the ground. You see another person kind of back out. Um, and then the camera kind of pans away. And you see another scene where this same individual um, with his gun still holstered across his chest, walking to law enforcement, kind of waving his hand. And law enforcement kind of drives past him. So it's later found out that that individual was responsible for three shootings that night. Two of the individuals died. One individual died from a gunshot wound to the head. Another individual um, passed away from a gunshot wound to the chest. The third individual survived. He had a gunshot wound to the arm, which kind of severed his arm. Um, He survived and recovered, was able to keep his arm. (laughs) The one individual who was shot in the arm was reportedly to be armed. Um, it was said that he was a felon and was in legal possession of a firearm. Um, after his surgery, reports came out that he said that his only regret is that he did not shoot and kill the individual who um, shot the others. The suspect was later identified as 17-year-old Kyle Rottenhouse of Antioch, Illinois. He was arrested and charged with recklessly endangering the safety of two victims while possessing a weapon under the age of 18. He was charged as an adult with two counts of first-degree homicide and one account of attempted homicide. Um, These charges are the ones he will face in Wisconsin. He was arrested in Illinois as that's where he was apprehended when he was um, found. So since the arrests have been made, there's been this big, big debate, big discussion between the left and the right. You see the left looking at him as, oh, he's a criminal. He came there. He he came there to instigate. He came there to agitate. He was looking for trouble. He fled all the way from another state with an illegal gun that he was not legally able to possess because he was under the age of 18. He was there looking for trouble. He wasn't there to protect businesses he was there as a far-right militia looking for trouble looking for someone to kill on the other side and then you have people on the far right who labels him as a hero they said he's protecting himself it was self-defense and then this is what the far right is known to do they bring up the criminal past and the criminal backgrounds histories of the victims they say oh well one of the guys was a rapist he deserved it the other guy was a criminal. Um, he was a woman beater or he was aggressive. The other, the third guy was a felon. They all deserved it. Kyle was doing the, the police work. He was protecting the, the citizens, protecting the businesses, um, trying to get a hold of this chaos that's been going on in Kenosha, restoring law and order. He's a hero. He's our martyr. So that's been an argument on both sides What people say, Kyle Rothen, Rothenhouse has was armed and had just killed two people, had his hands up, walked right past police. You know, police were thanking him prior to earlier in the day, giving him water. But then you have this other person who was shot and killed seven times unarmed. So they feel like 
that's where you have this problem and that's the reason for the marches the reason for the protests because this again proves their point as to why um, there's this um, divide and this bias with police and how they deal with suspects but on the right again you have people saying well the guy who police were apprehending was a rapist he was a sexual assault person he had an extensive criminal background so they used these antics to justify why he should have been shot and killed by the police and this is where you have the tension this is where you have the divide between the two you have a president here that's saying hey i want to restore law and order and many people take that as a direct order of violence a direct threat to peace in um, causing further divide and further tension among citizens in the United States. And then you also have people on the right that feel like, well, Democratic mayors and governors let their cities and towns and states um, be destroyed by quote-unquote anarchists, quote-unquote rioters, quote-unquote looters, and they don't do nothing. They sit back and let this happen. They don't um, want the help or the assistance of the president to bring in the National Guard to sort of diffuse or control these situations. People on the left are saying, well, the lives that are taken are not as important as the property that is damaged. The property can be replaced. These lives that have been taken cannot be replaced. They also are saying on the left, their argument is, well, this would not happen if police were policed. If you didn't have these racial disparities um, amongst police, if you didn't have this system that is broken, there would be no need for protest. There would be no need for riots and looting. Both sides are very angry. Um, <clears throat> as you see in the protests, have been going on for, I think, in Portland, they're at 92 days now. People are upset on the right. They feel like, okay, you know what? The governor's not doing anything. The, the mayor's not doing anything. We have to take matters in our own hand. So you have a group of Trump supporters that met at a parking lot in a um, town about 20 minutes outside of Portland yesterday. About estimated 200 cars. They're all flags. They consider patriots. They were considered peaceful, marching, exercising their amendment right to protest. The group then decided to drive into downtown Portland. As videos show, they drive through downtown Portland. You have the members of the left, Antifa and other groups that were there waiting to meet them as they drove through downtown Portland. There were instances of physical fights, altercations, name calling. Um, you have people spraying tear gas, pepper spray, paintball um, weapons, things of that nature. This goes on for about an hour. And later on, all of a sudden, you hear gunshots. Everybody runs to the scene as the victim laying on the ground. The victim 
Portland police clear the scene. They tried to administer some type of medical attention to the victim. It was later reported that the victim did not make it. The victim um, was apparently a member of a right-wing militia group that had been... Protesting prior in 2017 in California. Um, the suspect has not been apprehended yet as of, as of right now. Um, suspect is still at large. People are upset on both sides. Afterward, you see uh, members of the left, which some may consider to be Antifa, um, holding some sort of rally saying that they have no remorse they have no sympathy for the victim this really angers a lot of people on the right interesting interesting thing about this prior to this event of this uh, person being killed on the right last night you had people on the right who were celebrating and calling for arms and violence when groups on Facebook saying that someone needs to come in because the police can't do it, the governments and the mayors are incompetent and cannot control their cities and towns. So they're saying the citizens need to stand up. The citizens are tired. They, they've been silent long enough. The silent majority is now coming out to protect themselves and protect what they love and what they believe in. They were praising Kyle Rittenhouse and celebrating him murdering two other individuals and shooting a third. But now when someone on their side is murdered, now they're upset. They're upset with the left for the same reasons why they praised Kyle Rittenhouse. I find it ironic. I very, I really find it ironic. While many believe that Kyle Rittenhouse murdering those two people and shooting the third was justified, the fact remains that he was a 17-year-old kid that was given a firearm by someone else and was taken to an event that was violent. There was a possibility that he could be hurt or could hurt someone else because he was there with the firearm. It's not probably properly trained for the use of the firearm. It's not the police. It's not the federal government. It's not the military. But for some reason, he felt it was his duty to come into this town and restore law and order, quote unquote. And as a result, two people lost their lives. Whether you agree or disagree with that, those are the facts. The other fact is that another person lost their life. On the other side, 
because a group of people feel like they need to restore law and order because the government and the, the mayor of that town is incompetent and incapable of doing so. So they have to take matters into their own hand and stand up for what they believe in and what they think is right. This is where we are in America. So, as a result of these events, the left, far-left group, Antifa, has been said to be classified as a domestic terrorist organization because they're said to be responsible for the events that took place for the murder of the individual that took place in Portland last night. On the far right, you have a few militia groups. You have the Proud Proud Boys, the Three Percenters, um, a bunch of other militia groups that are on the right. Um, Neo-Nazis, things of that nature. So, it's been reported that these groups from the right-wing militia groups or whatever from the right have existed since as early as like the 1980s. Um, they gained momentum in the early 90s and the groups were active in all 50 states. And the membership is estimated, were, were estimated between 20,000 and 50,000. Um, the largest groups being the Three Percenters and the Oath Keepers. Um, you have the Texas Lightfoot Militia, Ohio Defense, New York Lightfoot Militia, Missouri Militia, Montana, Michigan, Idaho, Arizona, and the three presenters and the Proud Boys are the most well-known, I guess I would say. As you had an incident that took place in 2017 where um, Heather Hayers was killed by a far-right militia extremist, James Alex Phil. He was a 20-year-old man that lived in Ohio. He was charged with a murder as he mowed her down in a group of protesters in Charlottesville. Um, These events are very unfortunate. These events is create further divide among both groups on the left and the right. Um, The guy who was convicted of the murder of Heather Hayer, um, James Alex Fields at the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, Virginia. He was sentenced to life in prison. He was considered a white nationalist. White nationalists aligned themselves with the far right. They also aligned themselves with MAGA and Trump. Um, it's interesting because the people on the left are now aligning themselves with Biden before prior to Biden presidential run they were aligning themselves with Hillary Clinton and the unfortunate part is that people group everybody into one lump they'll say oh if you if you vote for Trump if you're if you're conservative you're on the far right you're white supremacist they loop them all together oh if you're on the left you're a terrorist you're a domestic terrorist you support, you know, rioting, looting, destroying and burning down um, buildings and businesses. You align with Antifa. When in fact, 
there are people on both sides that condemn the acts, the extremist acts of both. There are people on the right side who, although conservative, although they support Donald Trump, they're not necessarily racist. They're not necessarily um, a white nationalist group or a far right militia group. Just as well as there are people on the left who are not aligned with Antifa. They're not domestic terrorists. They don't want to burn. They don't want to loot. They don't want to cause harm to other people. They just want to be heard. They just want a voice. And they feel like their voice is being suppressed. Just like the people on the right feel like the town, the the, the nation, the cities that they love and that they believed in and the law enforcement that they support that protects them is in jeopardy, is being threatened. Both sides have a valid argument. But no one's willing to meet in the middle. No one's willing to... put aside their emotions and sit down and come up with a real solution. Many people are blaming President Trump for a lot of the violence, a lot of the, um, they're saying that he's inciting the violence, inciting the rallies, inciting the protests, because they say prior to his election, this stuff didn't exist. And a lot of people on the left feel like he is the culprit of this. He's responsible for this. People on the right blame the Democratic cities and uh, officials, mayors, Democratic governors that run the states for the violence, for the chaos. While you have people on the right, people on the left, they blame President Trump because they feel that he's inciting it with his rhetoric. We live in very sensitive, very unfortunate times. Everyone is angry. Everyone is upset. Everyone is hurt. We have to find a happy medium. We have to find a middle, a middle ground. We have to agree to disagree. And I'll end this segment with a quote from the great Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And it goes... Returning violence for violence multiplies violence, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Let that sink in for a second. Can't fight hate with hate. You can't fight hate with hate. I'll end it at that. Brain on drugs. And I'm out.